Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Come on, man. It's one of those psalms that when you sing, I mean, you almost kind of growl when you glory. I mean, you, you want to get into it, man. It was a good song, man. I like that. Praise God. Well, how many of you just are expecting to live the dream this year? Yeah. We're going to com- conclude our, our series this, this morning, but we're talking about dreaming again. And if you didn't realize it, when it comes to a dream, oftentimes the dream takes a miracle. Did you know that? I said the dream oftentimes requires or it needs a miracle to come to pass. And when we look in the Bible, that's really what God's all about is performing the miraculous because in the miraculous, you got to get out of the way and let go and let God, right? And so again, that's what it means to be able to live this dream and to be able to dream again in knowing God, you're in control. Praise God. Well, if you remember, just in the weeks past, as we were talking about some of these things concerning dreaming again, obviously it takes faith. We said that there's goals that we got to set, but we also said that when it comes to living the dream and learning to dream again, dreams never come without opposition, right? Anytime God births a dream on the inside of you, it's always going to come with opposition. Because in the dream, the dream is always about people and promoting the influence of God's love to other people and expanding the family. So if the enemy can rob the dream out of your heart, then he diminishes the effect of the body of Christ. He diminishes the effect or the growth of the body of Christ. And if you recall, we looked over in 1 Samuel chapter 30, just as an example. And we, we saw that David, or King David, and his armies were out going and doing what they do and uh, uh, possessing the land and, and, and just making sure that they were monitoring things. And as they left their homes, the Bible says that the enemy came in with a sneak attack and plundered basically their homes, took their wives and their children... And then they got back, it says that they were greatly distressed because our wives are gone and our kids are gone. And the Bible says that they were so distressed that David was afraid that they may take his life because after all, we've been serving the kingdom and our families are gone. And the Bible says that David entreated the Lord and says, God, what would you have us do? Would you have us go after the enemy? And God said to him, go and pursue the enemy, but also possess the enemy. And he said, nothing will be lost. So when it comes to you and I living out this dream and purposing to dream again, there's always going to be a battle. Amen? And there's a reason for this battle. This battle is not natural. This battle is spiritual. Because the enemy does not want you to fulfill the God-given dream on the inside of you. Because once again, your dream will always influence people for the goodness of God. 
God says, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. So that means as we grow in our relationship with God of loving God and loving people and loving life, our desires begin to be fulfilled and people start to see the goodness of God. And therefore, you have the opportunity to say, I'm living the dream because of the goodness of God. And therefore, it begins to influence people. So when you face opposition, it is not just a natural attack against your life. There's a spiritual attack because eternity is affected by the dream that comes to pass in your life. But here's the thing that you have to understand. The enemy is vicious. The enemy hates you, hates God, and will do everything within his power to destroy you. In fact, Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it almost makes me wonder concerning David's men that we just mentioned. It says that they were greatly distressed because the enemy had came to take their wives and their children. I just finished a book while we was out of town. <clears throat> it's a, bit, a book called Extreme Ownership. And it's a book on leadership principles, but it's a book from the perspective of a commanding Navy SEAL officer as he led his troops into the enemy places, into the enemy forces to conquer. In fact, it was during the time, many of his stories were during that time of uh, uh, Rocky Freedom, right? Remember back about 20 years ago that it about started? And so he begins to tell some stories about the enemies that they engaged And the enemies that they engaged, this is one of the things that he said. He said, the enemy that we face, they're so vicious and cruel that it's almost inhuman. Because he says, what they do to you and do to the enemy and do to their own people without any concern of consequence. He said, we're fighting an inhumane enemy. And so again, this is over in the Middle East. And so it made me think, maybe, just maybe, David's men were so greatly distressed because they knew of the viciousness of the enemy. Right? But once again, this enemy, it's not naturally based. It's always spiritually based. Amen. This is just a side note for you. But obviously within our own country we have all this great divide about the Muslims and about the Christians and about America and the Middle East. And there's always this big great divide. And it's like, well, why are we so hard against those people? Or why do we take such a stance? It's not about people. Those people love their families, love their life just like anybody else. But in where they stand, they stand against Christian values or the God in which we serve. And they're looking to overtake. And again, I'm talking about the radical side, obviously. You understand what I'm talking about. And so again, that whole thing is spiritual. And so when you look at the media and all the propaganda, it's like you don't understand. Because it's not natural. It's not the box. It's a spiritual battle that's taking place right now. Amen? And so once again, we see that the enemy is consistently endeavoring to break down the family. And everything about the dream, as we saw concerning God's heart and God's desire, is to build his family. But how many of you know that God doesn't desire to build a family that is struggling, just barely getting by, that is this ragtag? God's building a family that is prosperous, as healthy, and as whole. In fact, Jesus said, the reason that I came was that you would have life and life more abundantly in quality and quantity. He says, that's the God that I am. In fact, when we 
heard stories of those in the Middle East. He said there was burnout buildings and trash all over the place, burnout cars and, and houses and, and buildings that were riveted with bullet holes. He said it was just horrific in the way that it was. Well, God doesn't desire for his people to live that way. Where our lives, our families, and our homes are, are, are riveted with gunshots and holes and ragtag and trash and just barely getting by. He wants us to be living the dream and saying, those are my kids. I take care of my kids really good. In fact, they're healthy. They have great marriages. They have good kids. I make sure that they have more than enough. That's the God that we serve and that's the way that God desires for us to live. So this battle concerning the dream is to ultimately rob us from the freedoms that God desires for all of us as believers to experience. A believer ought to have more freedom and joy and happiness and fulfillment in their life. And we ought to be the example to everybody else. I want what you got. I need what you have. And so once again, we see that God wants to take care of his family. Now, in Isaiah chapter 54, we read this once before, but it says this. Enlarge the side of your tents to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs or your stakes firm in the ground. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit deserted cities. So God desires for us to expand the dream. To build to grow. Now much of what we've been talking about is casting vision for where God's taking us. But you realize the expansion of the dream as a church is not in buildings, it's in people. So we can expand in building, but if we never expand as believers and as a family, what difference does it make if we have bigger buildings? Right? God wants us to expand. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in love. But isn't it interesting, as God begins to expand his family, the family, God said, is an army. So why does he come against you so hard? Why does the enemy come against you so hard? It's because an army that is provided by God always has great ammunition. And he wants to make sure that what you have doesn't get out. He doesn't, want the, he doesn't want those that are distressed and hurting to hear that God is faithful and good. And that His mercy endures forever. So when it comes to the battle, there's two kinds of battles. There's a battle because the enemy is trying to possess what doesn't belong to him. Did you hear me? I said, number one, there's a reason why there's a battle, and that is because the enemy is trying to possess what doesn't belong to him. He's trying to possess, possess your mind. He's trying to possess your family. He's trying to possess your family. He's trying to possess your health. He's trying to possess your finances. It doesn't belong to him, but he's trying to overtake. Therefore, there comes the battle. Can anybody say amen or oh me? <laughs> Come on, I'm talking to the right crowd, right? We all have gone through those things where we can see the enemy is working hard. In fact, uh, one of my spiritual fathers, he said this. He said, if you feel sorry for yourself, 
you know that the devil's working on you. <laughs> Come on. Have you ever had a real good opportunity to feel sorry for yourself? And you hear God saying, come on, chuck it up. And you're like, but God, this is a really good time to feel sorry for myself right now. <laughs> is that just me? All right. Number two, there is a battle of faith because it takes a miracle for the dream to come to pass. There's a battle against your faith because it will always take the miraculous to work the dream out. Come on, look at the entire Bible. God always used men and women to do great things. And it was always about setting God's people free and expanding the kingdom, expanding the family. And we see that there was always opposition because it took the miraculous. Come on. Some of us have, have difficulty crossing the road. Moses is standing at the Red Sea and the enemy's at his back. And he's like, man, I got three million people and we got to cross a river right now. Needed the miraculous, Right? God always shows up in the miraculous. And the enemy wants us to take our focus off of the hand of God and the face of God and begin to look at the face of our circumstances. There's a battle. There's a battle against your dream. And I said the dream that you have is a dream that I have. Your dream and my dream coexist and without all of our dreams coming to fruition we all lose because God wants us to win collectively now concerning this idea of being the army of God the family of God and that there's going to be a battle against the dream that God has placed within of our hearts just to reflect back on the book that I had mentioned to you there was a particular story that this commanding Navy SEAL officer Jacko was his name or Jocko, I believe it was, that he began to express in one of the missions that they set out to. They went into this particular area of Kuwait, uh, Ramadi, that was one of the, the most heavily guarded and most dangerous places to go into battle or to find your troops going into because it was so, uh, so broken up and the buildings never really gave you any kind of cover. And so therefore, it was a very dangerous place and therefore they could head you off and, and, and ambush you if you wasn't paying attention. And so what ended up happening is there was one particular Kuwaiti officer that they were working with he got taken hostage and so they had to go set him free or they had to go get him and so they found out where he was and they went to get him and they rescued him but once they got there and rescued him they also realized that now the enemy troops are going to be coming and so as they got the hostage they began to look around and they said okay we'll place place the the, the snipers are, are over there and, and if we can only get to that building over there we'll have a good vantage point to be able to see down the roads and have the ability to see where the enemy's coming and so they made their way over into the next building <clears throat> when they got there they started to look around and they started to realize this isn't as good as we thought it was we can see this way but we're blind over here and so now they began to understand that now the enemy knows where we're at and as they began to look around, they looked out the window and they saw that there was the enemy over in an adjacent building. And outside of the door was this thing that was covered up by a tarp. But then they began to realize that it was nothing more than a bomb. And they said, well, now we got to get out of here with our hostage. But we also got to take care of that bomb. Because if we take care of that bomb, it's not going to destroy one of our officers. 
So they sent one of their, one of their Navy SEAL officers over there. He put a, a bomb on there, uh, one of the uh, radio or uh, remote control bomb. He got that strategically placed, got back over, and he says, okay, now we got to get out of here. Now there's about 30 of them. And so they climb up to the second story. When they got to the second story, they find out that there is no way of escape. There is no way to get to the next building. There's no windows. And so now it's either go through the front door or try to bust through the wall. And they said, well... We got a sledgehammer, so let us bust through the the wall and we'll climb out under the roof. So for the next 20 minutes, they're thinking, okay, we got 20 minutes, or actually, uh, no, what was it? Uh, they, they 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 said it took them 20 minutes to bust through the door. They got through the door. Once they got through the the the, the, the hole in the wall that they had made, they're on the roof and they says, okay, detonate the charge. And so it was on a timer, so they sit it like, okay, now if we'll climb across the roof, we'll have plenty of time to get out of sight before the bomb goes off. Well, as they started to go across the roof, what they didn't realize is what looked like a roof was nothing more than a tarp stretched across from one building to the next. And one of the officers that got out there fell through the roof 20 foot, two stories down, and he's laying on the ground and he's moaning and groaning. Now, the detonation had already been set. It's counting down. They need to get out of there, but they got a wounded officer. And so he says, what do we do? So what they ended up doing is like, okay, let's go get our officer. Let's just hightail it out of here right down the middle of the road. They did what they did. They had some gunfire. They finally got back to the camp. Now, when he got back to the camp, his commanding officer, he thought he was going to have a meeting where he's like, great job. You rescued all your guys. You saved the one that was fallen. And he says, when he got called into the office, he said, I got chewed up from one side down the other. And he said, immediately, I got defensive. He says, what's the problem? He says, you had snipers on the other roof. And he said, they had the ability to give you cover but all you could think about was yourself and your troop. And therefore, you hightailed it out of there without calling on them. And then now you put them in jeopardy. And he said, man, I didn't realize that. The moral of the story is this. Is that when you come under high pressure attack in the battles of life. It is real easy for us to revert back to this mentality of, of, of self-preservation. Come on, are you here this morning? When, when, the, when the battle's on and the attack is on and the firefight is, is, is going heavy in your life, rather than looking at, whoa, we got a family. <laughs> oh, kumbaya. No, it's like, how can I protect myself? How can I get out of here without facing extreme damage? Come on, are you here this morning? Because the dream is always bigger than you. But when the enemy attacks, what we often end up doing is thinking about self-preservation. We revert or we retreat and we just think about the immediate situation. Whenever we're fighting for new territory, there's always going to be opposition. What does that new territory look like? It might be the New Year's goals that you set this year. It might be the desire to have a marriage that you have envisioned. It might be simply a goal to get out of the financial debt that you're in. But in the midst of that, there's always the opportunity to step back. Why do we step back? Because stepping back is something that I've already done. Stepping back is something that I'm familiar with. Stepping back is something that I'm comfortable with because I was already there. It might be hell, but at least it's predictable, right? 
rather than stepping out into the dream where it needs a miracle, where it takes my faith to trust God, where it takes a stand to fight, oftentimes it's more easy to retreat. Come on, are you here this morning? You know, we've been talking about finances and we've been talking about raising monies for, for the new church building. And I realize for, for us, when we start hearing about some of those things, it's one of those things that we think, we, well, why are you talking about money? Don't you know that I've got challenges in my own personal life? I've got bills to pay. Here's the thing, when it comes to giving, giving is not about a natural thing or obtaining natural things in life. Giving is always setting you up for a spiritual victory or battle that's coming. Why? Because if you can trust God in your money when you don't need to, then when the time comes, because I've already exercised faith in the area of my finances, I gave, I stretched myself, I believed God and God proved Himself faithful. Then when the true pressure and the true battle comes, I've already went through the fire, I've already trusted God with my finances, and therefore I can stand in the midst of this battle and say, God, you're faithful. I can trust you right now, just like I trusted you then. Then I didn't have to, now I do. But you were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. Come on, the dream always requires a miracle in our life, but a miracle takes faith. Come on, when it comes to that Navy SEAL operation, they said that they would train day in and day out when they didn't have to. He says, if we didn't have a mission, he says, we were pushing our bodies, we were pushing our our, our tactical efforts just to hone our abilities. He said, our rucksacks, they would would weigh about 100 pounds. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had to carry 100 pounds down the road, I would be out of commission by the end of the driveway. I just know where I'm at. I'm out of shape. But 100 pounds, they... Wore those things in the, and they said it was temperatures of 115 and above. And he said, we just worked out. And he said, the more physically fit we were, the easier it was to do what we needed to do. They did what they needed to do when they didn't have to do it. So that when it was called upon them to be in the heat of the battle, they didn't have to think twice. It was just second nature. That's where God is leading us to. Come on, are you here this morning? So, whenever you come under heavy fire, typically, or sometimes I should say, our guard can come up. Come on, are you here? When you come under fire, that's the times that we get defensive. Why are you picking on me? I've done this. Come on. Your defenses come up. When the heat of the battle comes on, sometimes we find ourselves getting into self-pity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you feel like the fire is coming at you, those are the times that we end up isolating ourselves. It is the most dangerous time to get yourself by yourself. But that's the tactic of the enemy. Why do you think so many people are depressed nowadays? Because it's a spiritual attack from the enemy to get you isolated away from the family of God. Away from your army where the ammunition is to get you all by yourself. Come on, are you seeing this this morning? Come on, I've been there. I've had questions to God sometimes. I'm like, God, I didn't see this coming. 
And God says, well, it didn't move me. He says, you think I didn't know it was coming? Okay. I mean, that really messes with you. Because I want to throw a tantrum about it. And God says, I saw it coming. So if I saw it coming, that means I've got you through on the other side. You just got to trust me. And I'm like, God. Right? And in the midst of the battle, the enemy is endeavoring to get you out of your love walk. And if he gets you out of your love walk, then your faith won't work. Come on, I'm talking to the choir right now. Right? That's what the enemy wants to do, is to get you out of love. And your ammunition, or the greatest ammunition that you have, your atomic bomb, is the love of God on the inside of you. And if the enemy gets you into a place of isolation, you'll stop walking in love. And everything else shuts down. And you can't afford that. Your dream can't afford that. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll leave that alone before we get on stepping toes. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So, the enemy is calculated. When people need relationships the most, that's when they find themselves retreating. But what we don't realize is that regardless of the firefight that I feel like I'm going in and under, I still got ammunition. I still have a supply. I still have a piece of the puzzle. As a dad, all hell could be breaking loose in my life, but I can't just sit down and stop being a dad because my kids depend on the supply of a father. I can't have the luxury of just feeling sorry for myself because things didn't go my way and stop providing for, loving, and nurturing my family because of what's went on, right? But that's what the enemy tries to do because of the dream. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trials in which, you, which is to try you as, through some, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice. Don't like that last word. Don't think it's strange when you go through stuff. You're going through the junk, then here's what you do to get out of it. Rejoice. I don't feel like it, but that's the faith walk. I don't want to, but that's your ammunition. I want to pout, but no, in the rejoicing is the grace and the power and the love of God that will bring you through and bring you into the dream. Amen. Now, again, why is it that the enemy comes? And I'm closing with this final thought. Why is it that the enemy comes against your life is because he knows not only does your dream possess a miracle, but in the dream itself brings a miracle. As I said, look at all the men of God that were called to, be, to, 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 do, to do great things for the family of God and set people free. But it took miracles, but there was great opposition at every step of the way. Look at the Apostle Paul. He went through what? Four shipwrecks. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was stoned. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder what Paul looked like. Because we think that he was this well-statured man. I don't know. He probably had some knots on his head. He probably had some teeth missing. Probably one eye closed. You know, Jesus loves you. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he must have been, it could have been a real rough-looking character because of all the stuff that he went through. 
But why did he go through so much? Because of what was in him. He had three quarters of the New Testament on the inside of him. And without him, we wouldn't be here today. So what's in you? There's a miracle on the inside of you. There's a dream on the inside of you. Why do you face the oppositions in your life? Because in your children is a miracle. In your kids is a dream. And if he can get you to back off of the dream and the God-given purpose that's in your life, he squashes and squelters and stops the dream and the miracle of building God's family. Amen. The Bible says this. Concerning our kids, the Bible says that your kids will have greater influence. Your kids will have a greater voice than what you have. Look at our social affairs of life right now. And the voices that are raising up. Have you noticed that from one year to the next, those that are unrighteous, their cause gets greater, their voice gets bigger. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle whether you serve God or you don't. The next generation always begins to have a greater voice. And greater success at whatever success that might be. As followers of Christ, God's desire is for the next generation to carry out the dream with greater success, greater influence, greater provision, greater ability to make their voice heard. That's the God-given promise. But if we let the dream stop in us, it stops the dream from ever coming to fruition and growing and increasing the family of God. So don't think it's strange that you face oppositions. Amen. We got a brand new mama right here. Praise God. Come on. Just got the word that she's pregnant. There's another one in the back. She said that she's pregnant. Come on. There's dreams on the inside of you in more ways than one. There's a birthing of a dream on the inside to see God's family increase. It's not the time to back down. It's not the time to give up. We are not like those who back up or retreat. But we are like those that walk by faith and not by sight. Because there's a dream, there's a hope, there's a miracle in each one of us. To set people free. And to show them God's goodness. Amen? Come on, let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to close with a prayer. And I just want to exhort you to remind yourself of what this year holds. This is the best year of your life to date. That's God's purpose. That's God's dream and God's desire for you. Now it's up to you to keep that dream alive, to keep it before you, to keep it stirred up. There's going to be every opportunity for something to come to rob that dream, steal the hope, kill the joy. But God says it still doesn't change my plan. So you'll have to keep it alive. You'll have to keep it in front of you. You'll have to purpose to meditate on it. You'll have to purpose to talk about it. 
Because if you don't talk about it, you'll talk about something else. And whatever has your conversation, has your heart, whatever has your heart, has your dream. So, collectively as a family, we're going to stir each other up. We're going to love on each other like never before. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to just purpose to live this dream out together because your dream is my dream. My dream is yours. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this place. God, I know that we're only into a few weeks of this first year or this year of 2017. And God, if there are people that are here right now that have begun to feel the dream slip, the hopes begin to, to diminish. God, I stir that up right now. I just provoke that on the inside of them right now. That, Lord, you are faithful to the promise that you've committed to them. You will bring them out. You'll bring them up. You'll bring them through because that's the kind of God you are. And God, we thank you for the dream of increase of building the family. God, we thank you that we shall not lack this year. We'll have an abundance in every area. And God will step out on the miraculous and trust you like never before. And everyone said, Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life